0: Hi, this is one of my occasional philosophical videos um, in which I want to explore an idea and it's not a definitive statement of anything. It's me searching for how to express something, um, but it may be of interest. And it's um, prompted in this occasion by a conversation that's been happening on the Tim Freak Forum on Facebook, and that's the place to engage with these issues if you want to. I'm going to be talking about what are numbers, and I want to make some speculations around Plato's idea of the forms. Um, at first a little apology, I've been really slow responding to things on the, Facebook, on the forum because I've been so busy launching this new individualism, uh, an umbrella term for my philosophy and practices. So, there's been so much happening, and there still is. And it feels a bit refreshing actually to sit here with you now and go, Oh, I'm going to speak for some time about philosophy rather than organization. So, in the conversation previously, this is a little back story for some of you. Um, Kenny and some others had been talking to me about uh, their views that everything had soul. And I suggested, and you can check out the other video for this that that's not accurate, that soul is actually something that's evolved quite late in the evolutionary process, and soul is this realm of ideas and images, this non-material dimension of the imagination, uh, that what's been there the whole time is subjectivity, that everything has a subjective nature and a, a subjective perception of the whole, and is itself being perceived. So everything has objectivity, and every every time stream, every individuated aspect of the universe has subjectivity from a, a very basic electrochemical level up through the senses eventually, and then right up into the imagination and the sort of subjectivity that we're sharing now. Uh, he came back with a very interesting comment, which has sparked me into this stuff about numbers that I've been working on quite intensely anyway. You'll hear it's still work in progress. Um, and what Kenny has basically said is it's kind of a clarified of his argument that, that soul exists. As he's saying, what he's really referring to is the way in which, well, let me, let me actually read what he says. Uh, to every person that has studied nature and the material world, it, it eventually seems apparent that matter responds to certain patterns and laws that are not visible by the senses. That's uh, indisputable, isn't it? Patterns and laws that we discern precisely through our mental capacities. Correct. So it seems to me that in the last analysis, matter is not the progenitor of all, since matter responds ultimately to some informational domain, which we might call the laws of nature, which is more fundamental. Really interesting point. When I talk about psyche or soul in a universal sense, I'm talking about the realm in which those laws exist, which is not the physical. Call it what you want, it doesn't matter, it's still there. And it seems to parallel the way in which informational patterns of mind function to make manifest the body. And it is a fact that in an informational field that we only access through the, and that's an informational field, we only access through psyche, through ideas, knowledge, and abstract information and reasoning. So along these lines is my argument constructed. Thank you, Kenny. Um, That's great. Um, So, uh, I see it differently um but there's an awful lot in common so i don't call that psyche i think we need to keep the psyche for what we really we, we commonly call the psyche which is the the mind the imagination the soul this thing which is we're experiencing right now so where is this information exactly well the basic tenant of the individualist philosophy is that reality is the realization of potentiality on ever more emergent levels, or to put it simpler, everything evolves, and that the past is present. The past hasn't gone anywhere, but it accumulates, uh, so that in the pre-existent, and that the present is the comp- is the is the is the co-existent of everything that has been with the potentiality for everything that could ever be. And that formless, timeless potentiality is is realizing itself in every moment in a new way. It's, it's doing it right now. And this moment contains in it the last moment, just like the end of my sentence contains in, in it implicitly the beginning of my sentence. Otherwise, it wouldn't make any sense. So I think that's where the laws of nature reside. And I think that's why everything feels like it's being informed by something before, is because... The the laws of nature are better understood as as Rupert Sheldrake and others say as the habits of nature that the process of evolution has established certain habits in the past and the past's job is to keep things repeating just like the possible possible's job is to keep things creative. There's repetitive and there's a creative element which is always into which is always um, coexistent. So. I think that's where the laws of nature, why they're not here in the senses, because they're actually the way things have built up in the past. However, it does point ultimately to a much trickier question, which I've been engaging with over the last, um, well, for years and years, actually, but specifically over the last sort of six months or more around my philosophy, because I'm always looking for the bits that don't work. Where am I wrong? Where am I wrong? So here's an area which intersects with Kenny's points, which I want to talk about, and it may help explicate how I see what he's talking about. What are numbers? It's a great philosophical problem, because they have these infinitely complex relationships, and it looks like they're a language which we create, and sometimes it is, but also Is there's something pre-existent about their relationships that we actually discover. When you find a a prime number, you didn't decide that would be a prime number, it just is. There's a relationship between numbers which is already there, and we discover them. And yet, in no sense has that evolved, surely. One can't see number as evolving. Mathematics... Our understanding of number, and, and just to go back to Kenny here, I think that's why our understanding of it in the mental, in the in the psyche, that's that's us reflecting back on what's already there and finding words and images and languages. So there is a language of mathematics through which we've come to understand what's already there, uh, but it's already there. So where does that fit in with the idea that where does that fit in with the idea that everything has evolved? Did numbers evolve? Doesn't look like it, does it? And that feels more like Plato's idea of there being an eternal domain, what he calls the forms. And he was thinking very much of numbers because he was a Pythagorean, and Pythagorean, Pythagoras thought numbers were gods which had created the universe because they had this, this quality of um, atemporality. They're just pure. One, two, three. They have a certain relationship with each other, and it's just given. Now it doesn't matter what name you give it or what words you use or how you symbolize it you're still referring to something which is uh pre it's already there so how do you understand that and my this is where i've ended up with it and and i've never tried to express this before in this way so it'll maybe be a bit rambling um but forgive me What I suggest is that, look, I need to say something else first as well. And this goes for everything I share. Look, I'm going to act as if moment zero, the Big Bang, is the beginning of everything. Personally, I think it's very unlikely it wasn't. But if we don't treat it as the beginning of everything, we just push the problem back further. So whenever the beginning of everything we imagine it, perhaps it never, it's never, perhaps you go back forever. But let's nominally talk about that as the beginning of the realization of potentiality because otherwise we've got nothing to think with what's happening not really at, at not at that moment but as that moment if you, if you conceptually is that you're is that it's the something from nothing there's 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 the realization of of potentiality and in that you've got duality so very ancient idea it's the dao de ching from the the Dao, from the potentiality, from everything, comes the something which is immediately duality, yin and yang, because there's something and nothing. So now there's two, and there's relationship. The one is individuated into something, and it's you have relationship. And so I think what's happening there is that in that moment, there you are, you are what is being created is information, number, quantity and all of the, the the relationships that exist implicitly in it are there instantly. So you've got something which, in fact, don't even think about time. This is, bef- this is not to do with time, because it's 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 atemporal. You've actually got duality, and with that, all the relationships that occur. Once you've got one, you've got two, then you've got th- two, you've got three. This is the Tao Te It's exactly what Lao Tzu says. And then the 10,000 things, which is word for word what he says. Uh, And I'm saying the same thing, that you've got number arising implicitly in the idea of duality. So you've got an informational realm. So where I've said, look, um, the process of evolution goes from matter to life to soul. I'm actually thinking, look, it's really, we should say that it goes from information to matter to life to soul, which also really helps us understand why physics has come back and gone. Oh, when we get to the quantum level, this is really information. I mean, Niels Bohr said atoms should be, you know, regarded more like poetry. You know, it's not; they're not like things. It's, it's on the pr- the more primitive you get, the more informational it is. Um, and maybe that's because the really the first thing is information. And and what is? You know, what is information? We think of information in different medium, like you put the information in the computer or on the CD or. You can put it in, you know, you're moving information around, but what's the information that you're moving around between the different mediums? And I think the simplest way of getting what it is, is it is relationship. It is about the different relationships between things. That's what information is. And so you've got a pre-existent atemporal domain of relationships. All the 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 archetypal Relationships are inherent in the natu- in the nature of number. And that's going to be the um, fan- that's like the, the scaffolding from which everything else will emerge. And you can see, I think, that in the sequence of number, the fact that you have got, oh, now you've got number, you've got one, two, three, four, five, infinity you've got the kind of structure of time. You've got this unfolding of accumulation within the essence of number. And also, of course, from number immediately comes geometry, which is number in a different relationship with each other. And then you've got the essence of space. So with number and geometry, these two archetypal qualities, which exist, pre-exist, timelessly, within the very act of creation, or not creation, but first manifestation, you've got the essence of time and space, from which will come the greater complexity. One of the things you get from that duality immediately, of course, is the, excuse me, my phone's sending me messages, um, when you get the, what you get then is, is the relationship, the paralogical relationship between symmetry and asymmetry, which marks the beginning of matter. And then suddenly you've got everything becoming very the information becomes more and more complex and so it, it starts with information which isn't even time that gives birth to time and space which is giving creating matter with more complex forms which will become information on the level of life biology which will become information on the level of psyche or soul all the way through so uh it's saying look all all the things which are forming that it's all in the pre-existent which is my name for what's already happened and, and right the pre-existent before everything is the timeless relationships which we explore through mathematics. And they will be part of and, and come into then the way that the habits of nature, which deals with the more complex forms, start to form. And those are the things, and they're, they're not in the senses, they're in the pre-existent. And, and the latent relationship of number is, is way before anything the senses is going to get its hands round. So I just thought it'd be nice to, to explore that a little and then say a little bit about Plato because Plato has these ideas of the forms which are, create, are a more real thing, which are creating this in some way, that they're, they're transcendent. And I guess what I'm doing, I think a lot of what I'm doing is reworking these ancient esoteric traditions in, a, in an evolutionary format, and Plato particularly, perhaps. So what I'm saying is, look, they're not transcendent. They're not of a more real they're pre-existent, they're less emergent, they they, they exist in the pre-existent, they're, they're fundamental, these forms, and they have given rise to time and space and then all the complexity of the evolution of the time stream as it unfolds and starts to shape and contains within it everything that's happened before, which is building, 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 creating greater complexity, the laws or habits of nature and then everything the habits of Tim, everything, the habits of language, everything, which is everything that makes the past condition the present. So that I think that's quite interesting, um, that, that Plato's forms, we see them not as transcendent, but as pre-existent. They're not more real, everything's as real as each other, but they are less emergent, they're primal, they're abstract, they don't exist in time yet. So time itself becomes something which is uh, a potentiality that is realized. And before it's realized, there are all of these relationships of mathematics, of quantity, which will then play themselves out in the massive evolution of quality, which is a, just like in computers, you know, like from that simple one and zero will come this infinite a range of quality that we can experience with everything we can create with computers and that the 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 universe is doing the same thing going from matter the realization first of information uh, uh, and then in part then from that time and space which is creating matter which will evolve into life which will evolve into soul which is heading for god let's not leave that out but that's another subject altogether um so one last thought perhaps um which is uh that plato also sees the forms as governing other things other forms so a horses all share in the form of horse um everything is sharing in the f- in its archetypal form and that that somehow these are imperfect copies of this perfect thing um i i think it's a a strange and and ancient idea um, but I think we can reapproach it with this philosophy of individualism and what I'm describing, which is that horses all share in the time stream, evolving, emerging time stream horse, as it were. So that as a new species arises, it individuates. It's now got something linking it all together in the pre-existent. This is very close to the ideas of Rupert Sheldrake, I think, with morphic resonance. And then they are sharing in that. So the forms exist in the pre-existent. They don't exist in the transcendent. They're not these forms uh, are, are part of an evolving process. The, the, the archetypal relationship forms that form information, number. Those I think are are before the level of complexity which gives us horse. So the overall thing I'm just suggesting here is I'm thankful for Kenny for pointing um, towards this informational level of reality, gives me a good uh, excuse to share with you ideas I've been playing with now for some time, which are still taking shape, which is that we need to see at the beginning of the whole process this atemporal before time, a priori, before experience, a realm of relationships which we which we explore with mathematics as number, which we can deduce what they mean. We don't have to discover what they mean in the sense of going into the world and doing experiments they just they they just have that relationship. Two, you know, one and one is two. You know, you can change the words, but the relationship is fixed, um, and that is very very interesting. So there's an informational base to this which exists forever in the pre-existent, and which is itself outside time. So that information is arising as matter, which is why, why when you go further and further down into matter, it starts to become, oh, this is information, which is becoming experienced as matter on a certain level of emergence, and then becoming life, and then becoming soul. And the whole thing is that evolving of that information as it plays itself out as these ever more emergent qualities on this extraordinary adventure. That we call being alive. Wow, I hope that was coherent and that uh, some of you will uh, have a sense of what I'm exploring um, and it was real fun having a go at saying it.